welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Talon Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. All right, today we have Javia Alyssa with us. She is a Reiki master, clairsentient psychic, spiritual advisor, and she's a beautiful tarot reader. And I've been following her for a little while on Instagram, and I always find myself so uplifted and inspired after reading her content and seeing how she integrates her community into her life. So I was like, let's get her on the podcast and get to know her a little bit better. So I'll also give you some more background before you hear our conversation. Um, After spending a lot of her life as a Christian and going to church often, Javia went through a deep transformation and began her spiritual journey around the age of 21, which ended up having her release herself from the church. And she discovered her gift of being a psychic, which followed a traumatic event that happened in her life that she'll go into in our conversation. And basically, she fell in love with reading for others and healing others, and she ended up growing her you know, tarot reading into a beautiful business. Uh, She was also introduced to Reiki around that time. And this really enabled her to tap even more into her psychic abilities. And we really talk about how she communicates with source energy and how she discovered her gifts and uh, what her overall journey has looked like. She's also a young mother. So we talk about what motherhood has been like and our relationship with our bodies as women and becoming an entrepreneur and working for yourself. We cover so many different bases in this and she's wonderful. So enjoy this conversation. And as always, thank you so much for being here. It means the world to me. And if you feel like a friend might benefit from this information, feel free to send it along. Okay. I'll talk to you guys on the flip side. So the first question I love to ask people is, how do you like to start your day off? Do you have any morning or rising rituals or routines that you go to? So I wake up and I pray to the universe. I pray to my ancestors and I light my incense. And then I meditate and I do affirmations with my baby. And then I listen to motivational stuff. And that's it. In the, in the um, like summertime and spring when it's hot, I like to go take a walk outside mm-hmm. what kind of uh, motivational things have you been listening to who are your like current go-to teachers well i love abraham hicks like everybody love her mm-hmm. um eckhart toll and then i also like steve harvey even though uh, yeah. people have mixed reviews on him but he's motivational and so is td Jakes. Mm-hmm. so those are my favorites nice that's a good little list and I'm so curious. I love hearing that you're doing affirmations. You have a son, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And how have you been like helping him through that? Does he enjoy doing affirmations with you? Like what's his comprehension of like why you're doing what you're doing with him? I think, I don't know if he fully understands that we're doing this to speak stuff into existence. So I do it to make him feel good. Like in the mornings, I'll tell him, you're going to have a good day and I'll make him repeat it. And then whenever he comes home, the first thing he says is, mom, I had such a great day today. So I think that he takes it as speaking life into other people because mm-hmm. he does them with me now. Like I tell him all the time, little affirmations of you're so handsome or you're so smart. And he does the same thing with me where he'll tell me you're so beautiful. 
you're so talented, you're so creative. So I think he thinks it's just speaking nice to other people. So I'll let him think that for now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's equally amazing. Like he, if he's, you know, giving you that extra push in your day, and that means he's probably doing it with his friends and things at school and like helping other people. That's beautiful. Yeah. So I will have given like a little introduction about who you are and kind of what you're doing, but I would love to hear your story in whatever way, shape or form feels best to you. Like what has your spiritual journey basically looked like over the past few years? It was, it was really weird because I had, I went through a spiritual awakening at the worst time of my life, like everybody did. <laughs> and I was with my son's dad in an abusive relationship. And during that time was whenever I really had my spiritual awakening at that moment. And it, right around the time that I left that, I ended up leaving religion because I was Christian. I'm from Arkansas, so for Christians down there. And so I ended up leaving Christianity behind because I felt like I wasn't connected with God at that moment. And so I felt like I had to go find God. No matter what, I believe in God and the universe. It's the same thing to me. And so I felt like I had to go find God. So I left that. And then I just ended up unlearning everything about religion to develop my own beliefs that are still constantly changing as I'm growing and evolving. So I'd love to hear as well, what made you decide to leave the church and everything? What was that shift for you like? I mean, was your family, how was your family responsive to that? Or, you know, what was like a breaking point for you where you were like, I think I need something different here? I was going to church for like, a year well I would always go to church but I had like the last year that I went to church every time I would go something bad would happen to me that week and I felt like I had a bad omen on me and I would go to church and I, I wasn't connecting with the messages and I felt like it was a business and I also felt like I just kind of questioned why did I need a third person to teach me about God whenever my relationship with him may be different or with the creator, not him, but when my relationship may be different than everybody else's. And I didn't like it because at a young age, I found out that the Bible had been like translated through a bunch of different languages. And so I, I quit trusting religion a long time ago. It just took me forever to finally break free from it. I just felt like I wasn't learning. I feel like, I feel like I was being controlled because you know they make you feel bad they make you feel like you're going to hell for everything mm. i didn't like that and i was just like you know what i want to be my own person <laughs> so i just left <laughs> yes yeah totally and was there anything like you know any books that you read or any teachers that helped you you know kind of expand your mind or open your mind or was it like you just wanted to leave the church because you were over it or had you already started to dive into your spiritual practices at that point I was just over church yep. at that moment. Whenever I left though, there was a YouTube channel that I watched all the time called Spirit Science. Oh, yeah. they were always you know, you know that channel? Yes. Yeah. You know, you know their, their older videos and they would talk mm -hmm. about like religion and stuff like that. I love spirit science and I found them after I left religion. And then I would listen to Infinite Waters a lot and I learned about manifestation. Those were like the two first youtube channels i found and i would like binge watch all their stuff and it really helped me it helped me feel comfortable and know that i made the right decision because i resonated with everything that they would talk about 
Mm. Oh, I can really relate to that. The, the first time I started to explore this kind of thinking and understanding that we're spirits having a physical experience and, and truly start to integrate that, those were the, literally the first channels I was going to and that my friends were sharing. And Teal Swan mm -hmm. was one of them and Abraham Hicks, but it was that uh, infinite waters and spirit science. Yeah, it made it just mm -hmm. really easy to understand and very like basic. Um, so from there, you, when did you start to tap into your own gifts and what do those gifts look like for you? I, after, I started tapping into my gifts in 2018. It hasn't even been that long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was 2018, but yeah, I just random, I got like isolated from my family and everything. I was in a different city and, um, I was going through a lot and I randomly went to a crystal shop because I was buying crystals for protecting me and my son's energy. And then one day I just, have you ever had something happen where it's like, you're not doing it. Spirit's doing it for you. And I was in the shop and my body just like walked over to the tarot cards, which I'd never touched in my life. I didn't know anything about them. And I just dug through piles of cards until I found a deck that I liked. And then I went home and I knew how to read them. And so I don't know how, but I just knew how to read them. And um, I was doing readings for other people for like two days before I realized that I was good. And so I started my business. And then from there, my business like blew up. And because I've been doing it every day, like nonstop, 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 my gifts continue to grow. Mm. So I have clairsentience, clairvoyance, and mediumship. Mm -hmm. and it's been pretty cool now I do it for a living mm -hmm. that's so interesting too that the tarot cards are such a great example of that because I've been using tarot and oracle cards for years but it's I'm still learning what the you know messages are coming through them so it's mm -hmm. awesome that you were able to just pick it up and you like knew what the cards were right off the bat because there's a lot to learn in there there yeah there is mm -hmm. and did you feel like weirded out or did you feel like um you know i'm trying to understand how to put this i guess like did you know that you had these gifts or did, did, did they start to like reveal themselves over time it started to okay it revealed itself over time because when i the first four months i was doing it i was telling people and like i was doing so well that i could quit my job after eight months quit my job after eight months of doing it and so the first half of that i would tell people I'm not a psychic. I'm not a psychic. I can tell you what's going to happen because I can feel it in my stomach, but I'm not psychic. And I didn't know that that was clear. Sentient, that's clear. And then I found out one day and I was like, well, um, but I, it did freak me out one day whenever I had just started and I did a reading for my mom and I pulled a card and it said emotional loss. And I picked up on death, not losing a friend. Somebody's going to die. And so I tried to like snatch the card back real quick before she saw it. And she was like, no, bring the card back out. You know, you pulled it for a reason. And I was like, okay, somebody's going to die. And I didn't know who. And obviously I was going to know them too if my mom knew them. And so somebody who died, he was like a father figure to me and one of her best friends. But he died literally a week later. Wow. And that part did freak me out because I was like, oh my God. That's, and my mom, she like, she supports me and she like she knows i'm the real deal but she won't let me read to her ever again and that was kind of scary to like predict a death and i didn't know who it was 
Mm, yeah, it's almost like some people might just prefer not to know and deal with the, because then you have to sit with that discomfort for a while until it happens or you think it's going to happen. Yeah. With the heavy stuff. Yeah. But it sounds like a lot of people had really beautiful experiences with you. I mean, if your business, it sounds like it grew so fast, especially if you mm-hmm. were able to quit your job. What was that like? Was it just like word of mouth going around? Like people were having great readings with you and telling their friends or what do you mm-hmm. think helped you grow so fast? Yeah, people, people were getting readings and telling their friends and their family and people were coming back to me over and over. And then I think what else helped is the fact that I'm not, I'm not a reader that just goes online and puts my messages out there like people that get readings from me or people that follow me they watch my story people watch me go through the divorce that got me into reading people watch me go through my whole you know eight months of having my business and then quitting my job and people have watched me just climb up and become really successful mm-hmm. and um I think people feel connected to that as well and so it just it's a blessing definitely mm-hmm. but it is beautiful because like, not only are you making money as an entrepreneur, but you're, you're making money using who you truly are authentically and using your gifts to make the world like a better place. It's kind of like the mm-hmm. best thing you could possibly ask for. So I'm not surprised that yeah. people love watching your journey. So what was your, you know, divorce scenario? Like how did you emotionally get through that? Because that was pretty recently, right? Did that trigger was- a lot of growth for you? Yeah, it did. It was three years ago, and it like it taught me how to get through abandonment issues. Cause we we had a it was so dumb. I married him after eight months of knowing him, and we had been like long distance the entire time. And so we divorced because he he just didn't want to be married one day after five months of marriage. So I got through that by getting Reiki. That's why I became became a Reiki practitioner because the Reiki helped me so much. And Reiki is not going to just heal all your inner wounds, but it helped me pick myself back up to do my own inner work too. That's why I became a Reiki practitioner or Reiki master. But yeah, Reiki helped me get through it. And my spirituality helped me get through it. Reiki, crystals, um, meditating more, having a, a close relationship with spirit. Um, I did a lot of rituals. I did a lot of burning rituals. That's why I tell people, if you're going through a situation where you want to get closure and you can't talk to that person, do a burning ritual and, and burn them out of your life. Yeah. And, um, and then honestly, just honoring my emotions. I let myself cry about it as much as I needed to. I let myself heal from it as long as I needed. I didn't wake up and say, you know, I have to, because I'm, you know, spiritual, because I'm a leader, I have to hurry up and heal. I let myself take as long as I needed to, to heal from everything. And I was just patient with myself and I had to remind myself that it wasn't my fault and I had to get to the root of why I was so triggered, which people are going to be triggered when you get divorced. That's not fun. But I had to get to the root of the problems it caused for me after, you know, with having abandonment issues. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that you say that and that you're talking about honoring emotions because I think when we're kind of new to spirituality or emotional well-being sometimes it can be easy to blame ourselves for having heavy emotions or feeling like 
oh, why am I feeling this? Like it, it means that I'm not evolved yet or I'm not advancing. Like why am I still feeling any stickiness? But um, it's, it's such a beautiful part of the human experience. And I'm glad that you say that because it's just encouraging to know that like, even if you're feeling grief or despair or you're feeling like you're abandoned, it's okay to sit with that and diffuse that. Um, I'd love to ask you too about the fire rituals you did. Can you give us an example of like something we could do if there's, you know, a, a person or a situation that we'd like to kind of cut ties with? Well, you can write down their name on a sheet of paper and write down what they did to hurt you, how they made you feel. Just, just, I just say freestyle. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to write in regards to that situation, write it down and then you go outside and you burn it. And as you're burning it, take deep breaths and imagine yourself just releasing some of those emotions that you're holding onto. Mm. And it's not always going to work the first time, depending on how deep your pain is. So, and you have to do other things with it, like Reiki and the other inner work. But with that divorce, I think I had to do three burning rituals over the course of a year to help me fully release everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's important too. I just, I had to do kind of a cord cutting meditation the other day to release somebody and it really helped. But yeah, it does take mm -hmm. a few times for sure to feel better or just to feel like that relief. Do you mm -hmm. think that there is like almost like a psychic or emotional bond between the two people that you have to like create an energetic boundary so that they don't enter your thought patterns? Or do you think it's more of you experiencing your own emotions? Like where's the entanglement there between the two people? I think it's both. Like another thing, and I just did this recently because I didn't, I just hadn't looked into it, but I recently got a wound cleansing with that, you know, cleanses everything and cleans all of that energy out of my life so I feel like that's an energetic attachment that I got rid of with everything yeah somebody was talking to me recently about like the power of sexual energy and when we have a, a partner that we're intimate with like their DNA literally is within us for like years so mm -hmm. it's kind of a you know a cleansing of of them literally within us to to release which I thought mm -hmm. was interesting and put that into perspective yeah like it feels like yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go for it. Finish your thought. I was, I was going to say, when you get a wound cleansing, it feels like you're taking your power back. Oh my God, I've got a cough. It's like you're taking your power back. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. What was that cleansing ritual like? Was it honoring like the mother, you know, and, and Gaia and reconnecting with earth or what, what did that ritual look like? We did it long distance. Mm -hmm. The girl who did it, I, she lives in another country. Mm -hmm. She lives in the, in the United Kingdom. But yeah, I mean, it just, it, it really helped me work through not only, not only soul ties I had with other people, but like sexual trauma as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I felt like, I felt like the wound cleansing was to help me connect with my feminine energy on a deeper level mm -hmm. and become more empowered. Yeah. It's cool that you did that long distance too. I also am, a, I'm like a Reiki level two practitioner, but when I tell people that you can do this long distance, they're like, what? It's like, yeah, it's yeah. just energy. It's just complete energy. So how do you describe Reiki to people who, are, who aren't familiar with it? I, I always tell people that they are one, Joan Clark, and the Reiki is another one. And I am the person that like attunes everything and puts, their energy on the frequency of the Reiki energy 
to align them and to spiritually and mentally and emotionally cleanse them and heal them. I tell people it's surface level healing because like I said, and you know, it's not going to heal every single thing that you're dealing with, but it can help you pick yourself back up and feel more empowered and more energized to do your own inner work as well. Yeah, totally. And I also noticed that when I work on people, we hold like emotional energetic blocks in our bodies in very specific places. And I, I bet you can feel the same thing. So when you're running your hands, you can feel like um, a block almost in like, I don't know, I feel personally a magnetism that where I need to like smooth out the energy. And usually at the end of the session, somebody will say, you paid so much attention to that one spot and that connects to this emotional, you know, upheaval that I'm going through and it, it makes them very emotional. So just even bringing that up sometimes for people is hugely expansive because they might not even know that there's something really deep there um, that they haven't acknowledged yet. And Reiki can literally, I feel like it's actually moving the energy and getting your channels flowing again and like yeah. charging you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's okay. I just like right before we got on here, I was doing a Reiki session for this girl. And when I called her back, I was like, you're, you're carrying a lot of stress in your solar plexus so if you're feeling like stomach aches or feeling just feeling sick to your stomach at all that's why and I told her that you're an empath but you have to learn how to you have to learn how to not like take on everybody's problems because I told her you will pick up on people's energy and not not go home and be like hmm I feel kind of weird let me cleanse like you'll go home and sit there and figure out oh my god how can I um how can I help these people I told her that she stresses herself out trying to solve everybody's problems and that she needs to just do what she can and then she was like oh my god that makes so much sense because I'm a therapist and I do that so it was pretty cool yeah that makes so much sense especially she's probably talking and taking on everybody's energy all day oh my gosh you got to have like yeah. strong energetic boundaries for that I'm sure Oh, yeah. Do you ever feel that too? Like you're, you're talking with so many clients that have like heavy emotions to process. Like how do you make sure that you stay sovereign and, and uh, have your own energetic boundaries? Well, I don't look at it like I'm talking to my clients with problems and heavy energy. When mm -hmm. I'm on the phone with my clients, it's, it's just like talking to a friend, which is probably why they love me. Cause it's like, Hey girl, you know what's up? So I just look at it like I'm listening to a friend talk about their problems and I give them advice. And so I, I think that because of the energy, because it's always so lighthearted, even if I'm telling them, you know, ha ha ha, oh, you and your men are about to break up, by the way, but it's going to be okay. Like, even if I'm having to tell them something like that, like the energy is all good. So it doesn't ever feel heavy to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... I remember my Reiki master teacher telling me like, when you give a Reiki session, you receive one back as well because yes. the, the beautiful energy that you're giving is also like charging you up as well. So I always feel really like elated usually leaving actually. So yeah, I love that you say that. And um, so I'm also curious about your mediumship and your connection with spirit and how you perceive spirit and source energy in general. Like what is your perception of that plane? Um, can you elaborate a little more? Yeah, totally. So when you say mediumship, are you, do you connect with spirit? Do you get messages mm -hmm. from, um, spirits that have passed on or, um, what is your perception of, I guess, where they are and what that energetic frequency that they are like is, does that make sense? Yeah, I, I do connect with people that have passed away like 
all the time, especially you probably do it too, but like during Reiki, especially when I'm working at people's heart chakras or their third eye, that's whenever people will come up that are like relatives that have passed away. Yeah. And sometimes it happens in readings and it's just weird. It's so weird. I'm really like, honestly, I'm trying to figure that part out because when I people that have passed away, I don't see them like a physical ghost yeah. standing in front of me. I see them in my mind. But I can describe what they look like, you yeah. know? And so I guess I'm still trying to figure that part out because sometimes I see people that need help trying to cross over. But then sometimes like like perfect example. I had I had a girl and I told her in the nicest way that you have a ghost in your apartment that needs to cross over and she's nice. So <laughs> figure that out, please. She's gonna keep coming to you to you help her. Uh-huh. But then um but then I also had a client recently and her grandmother came to me. She had passed away and I was able to describe the exact problem that they had before my client said anything. And the grandmother was crossed over, but she just came to me to help get closure and apologize to her granddaughter and heal that relationship. So I'm still trying to figure out what I think happens. I feel like some people, whenever they pass away, if they're not fully at peace, they're not going to be able to cross over. And you you know the thing, like when people pass away, it takes three to six months anyways to get to the other side. Mm. And from what I've seen, I think that the people that passed away are just kind of existing. And it's clear that they remember stuff from this lifetime or else they wouldn't be coming back and connecting with their relatives mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I'm definitely trying to figure out more of what I think happened over there it's, it's kind so of much. interesting not <laughs> yeah it's like kind of great to not know but just have these little insights and hints into it um but I bet you know for me at least having these understandings or um you know, I definitely don't go as deep as you do. I don't really, I haven't tapped into my gifts fully. I think everybody has gifts. It's just a matter of kind of bringing them out and, you know, figuring them out, which I'm still working on as well. But it makes me feel a lot more at peace with um, physical existence and leaving my body someday. Like I don't, I'm not afraid of dying anymore. And do you feel the same way? Like, has this kind of changed the way you think about death and dying or no, not so much? I thought it did, but then I was on an airplane like two days ago and I thought I was going to crash and I started crying. So I think I am still afraid. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I thought I was at peace, but when I thought I was going to, we were flying over a storm and when I thought I was going to die, I just burst out in tears. So I don't, I don't think I'm afraid of actually dying. I think that I just, I think that I have a fear of like leaving behind the people that I care about like mm-hmm. if I knew when I died like if I knew for sure for sure that I would have my son with me like my boyfriend and my parents and stuff that I wouldn't care at all but that part does scare me because I don't know for sure like are they still going to be with me probably not mm-hmm. and that part is what scares me about it yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense have you ever had a past life regression reading or anything no I haven't however I did meet uh, like an ex romantic partner from a past life before. Mm, mm-hmm. What do you remember? What your connection was? Well, I'm I'm trying to remember the whole line. 
it was just it was just weird like uh all the details are slipping my mind right now but well, I only ask because I think sometimes um our relationships have interesting like entanglements like your father might appear as your brother in the next lifetime like or I feel like I was my mom's mother very strongly before I have this very maternal like protection instinct over my mother which is so funny Mm -hmm. and I think that I was her mom in another lifetime so I think relationships tend to change but do you think that we um come back in cycles do you think that we come like what's your perception of reincarnation I guess or you know anything surrounding that where do you think our energy shifts and goes I think people come back in cycles if they haven't if they haven't learned all the lessons that they should mm-hmm. but I've found because I'm doing for people I can always tell them you know this is your last time being here and I noticed that a lot of people are on their last life cycle but I do agree that we can come back and have different relationships with people from different lifetimes Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so interesting. I also wanted to ask you too, what motherhood has been like for you, and what motherhood has taught you about yourself and and raising a little little kid. So it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Because, well, it it. I think <clears throat> I needed to be a mom to help with my career because people like me because I come off as like nurturing and motherly but before I had my son I was never like that I never cared to have kids or anything like that and kids never really liked me I just wasn't a kid person and I had no maternal energy no nurturing energy anything like that and so having him forced me to tap into that kind of because I feel like I still have to I feel like I'm very nurturing but it's it's been a process to have to learn how to take care of another person besides myself and it's 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 helped me realize how we all play a role in each other's lives like I know that as a mom I don't I don't control my kid I'm just here to guide him through life Mm. and so it's helped me it's helped me see life in a new way as all of us being free spirited i let my kid be a free spirit i have to have boundaries so he didn't get hurt or whatever but um i let him be a free spirit and i know that i'm here to just teach him stuff that i've learned so it helps me to stay on my toes and to continue to grow because i have to pass it down to him mm-hmm. is there anything about motherhood that you didn't know at all like that was completely foreign to you that you like kind of wished you knew or like what would you tell women who are about to go into motherhood i'm asking i've been having this conversation mm-hmm. so frequently with women like are you going to have kids or like what is that expectation or you mm-hmm. know what's it going to be like to have kids and what don't we know you know well i don't think people know that when you have a kid depending on your situation you have postpartum depression for years Mm. people think that you have a kid and you have postpartum depression <laughs> for a few months but sometimes you could have it for uh like for a very long time and it's a normal thing mm-hmm. to have that and I and I also think that you know people need to know if you're coming into motherhood that you're not going to be perfect you're going to mess up sometimes you might forget to feed your kids sometimes sometimes you might make your kid mad and that's okay your kid's going to be bad sometimes that's okay it doesn't make you a bad 
transparent. You don't have to feel like you know everything that you're doing from the very beginning because you're going to forever be learning. Mm. Especially if that's your first kid. So don't put too much pressure on yourself for sure. And just whenever you have a kid, it's easy to get lost in motherhood and that title and like only focus on being a mom. But women that are having kids need to expect that you have to still put yourself first. Yeah. So like as parents, we, if we don't put ourselves first, we're not going to be good parents. You need to put your happiness first. You still need to make time for yourself to do the things that you enjoy before becoming a mother and don't make it your full identity. And then you'll have a better time being a mom. It'll be more fun to you. Mm. Have a better relationship with your kid. What do you think causes postpartum depression? Do you think it's like the separation of the identity that you were attached to before you became a mother or like, cause so many women go through this. My mother did as well mm-hmm. and, and for years. And I, and I wonder what, what is the root cause of that? I think it's two things. One, because when we have kids, I know everybody's all about, we should accept our bodies. Yes, we should, but we all have insecurities. And so whenever we have children, some people's body does not go back to normal. And that could trigger postpartum depression for people because it's like having a newborn baby is stressful because even though they're fun, they also cry a lot. And sometimes you can't, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you can't figure out how to calm them down. And it could be stressful getting no sleep and then you're looking at yourself and not feeling beautiful while the world is trying to tell you, yes, you are, but you feel like, no, I'm not. And then that anxiety, I've, I've been married with a kid, whatever. I have, I have a, you know, father figure in my kid's life now. And I've just had my kid by myself. And I think that depression also comes from the fact that even if you have a very active partner in your life that helps, as a mom, no matter what, you're going to be doing most of the work. Mm-hmm. No matter what, we're the ones. And this is why people don't want to have kids nowadays. And I don't blame them. But no matter what, you know, we're the ones that our dreams have to be put on hold for us to raise a kid because we naturally do more. We're the mom. We have to breastfeed it. That's what you choose to do. And the kid's going to be more attached to you because you gave birth to it. And and you're going to know the kid a little bit more. And women take on more responsibility. And that, even if the husband's active, you still feel unappreciated. And I think that causes a lot to you. Yeah, that's so interesting. I also really appreciate that you touched on like the body changing and like that being really intense for women because mm-hmm. I think people are kind of afraid to talk about that because it might seem vain or something, but um, that's definitely a huge thing, you know, to not really recognize yourself in the mirror or not be able to change something at free will, like pretty fast. And mm-hmm. I think it's so valid and I totally can see why that would be a major cause there. People don't like to talk about it. And that's why I was kind of nervous about talking about it on my platform because I didn't want to seem vain. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have sometimes, because I have stretch marks and skin on my stomach. And I have sometimes where I'll post my stomach and talk about my stretch marks because I love them. But at the same time, when I have my kid, my boobs were like way down here. Mm-hmm. And so I got them done. You know, mm-hmm. I fixed one thing that I didn't like about myself after having a kid. And then another thing that I changed after having a kid, I learned to love it. And so, and I, I could go get my, a tummy tuck right now if I want to, but I'm not. And so I could speak from both perspectives of like loving something more after childbirth and then feeling extremely insecure. And I think that women shouldn't feel guilty, especially because we're talking about spirituality. 
a spiritual woman especially should not feel guilty for wanting to do what makes them happy because mm. it can alter your self-esteem a lot after having a child yeah absolutely i'm so this is such a big conversation too beyond childbirth and body changing like if there's something that you're uncomfortable with in your body and like it's going to boost your self-esteem to get work done or whatever i totally agree i totally support that i think the the conversation has this kind of double-edged sword though because it's like you mm -hmm. want to understand that you are beautiful and you're enough exactly as you are so can you understand that and then make an informed decision about what you want to change and, and come from a place of love instead of from a place of self-hate which it sounds like you you really navigated yeah i have i have multiple i don't have multiple work done but i have my boobs done my teeth done my eyebrows mm -hmm. like i get stuff done and it's it's all about knowing like what i feel like on a spiritual aspect it's all a beauty ritual and glamour magic is the real thing and i feel like when i look good whether i have makeup on or work done or whether i'm natural whenever i look good i feel better and i'm attracting better relationships and opportunities and more of the stuff that i want to co-create with the universe mm -hmm. so whatever i feel I just think people should remove the stigma of you don't love yourself if you get work done. Because it's like yeah. some people want to, some people look at it as I'm investing in myself, especially in a world where people are so based on looks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So people should remove that stigma. Total, I agree with you. I mean, I was doing a meditation the mm -hmm. other day to discover like my authentic code and like what drives all of my decisions and everything. And it came down to, I think, like business luxury and beauty like seemingly really artificial things but like i want my human i want my human experience to be beautiful and rich and like and and part of that could be you know you know makeup and putting on a beautiful outfit i i think of you know botox or whatever people want to do like anything as kind of a form of like makeup or an extension of that yeah. a little more permanent but um yeah i think people should just be given free will to do whatever they want yeah I guess the like there's a there's a part of it where the beauty standard it's a societal issue that's telling women for example that all these women need to get their noses done or that we need to have huge lips or something it's like these trends start to take on and that's I guess where I'd like worry a little bit about like teenagers or young women being like oh if my nose or my face doesn't look like this then uh, I need to change it and then the trend changes and they look at it and they're like oh there was there was never anything wrong with me at all so I guess it's just about emotional maturity and truly like knowing yeah. what you, what you want. Mm -hmm. And I think that people should wait till you're, especially if you're young, like you shouldn't be, I feel like you shouldn't be getting word done till you're like 25 and up because your body has, I'm 27 and my body's just now like feeling out. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, but with my, um, with my boobs, I waited, my son's six and I wanted to get them done like the moment he popped out. <laughs> so I waited, you know, five years before I actually got them done. I went to multiple consultations mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do agree though that people are like trying to follow a body standard. I just want people to know that you have to like look within and love yourself and then do it for you. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because yeah. some of the stuff is dangerous. Like the BBL is like, again, like we're talking about, like we're obviously both plastic surgery positive mm -hmm. but then it's like some of that kind of dangerous so yep. people should just make sure that's what you really want to do totally tread lightly do your research <laughs> yeah, yeah i know that it's going to be a big change but yeah i support it i love that you're willing to talk about this i've always wanted to talk to somebody really openly about this to see where they stand and 
and I didn't even know you had anything done. You look completely. Oh, thank you. No, I literally <laughs> had no idea. I just brought it up, you know, as we were talking about body changes and it's like, I had no clue. So, but that's beautiful. But yeah, let's see. I'm looking at my questions for you because there's so much I want to still talk to you about, but what is it that you, do you feel like you have one specific purpose that you're driven by right now? Or like, how would you define that for yourself going forward? Like, what are you most focused on? Well, I feel like our purpose is ever changing. Because at the end of the day, like everybody's purpose is to help people and to heal people. <laughs> so mm -hmm. the specifics on how we're going to do that, it's going to change. But my, um, what it's crazy. So my, you know, I told you I had an abusive relationship with my son's dad. After I left that, I started a nonprofit for domestic violence victims and I did it with no money. I didn't have anything, but even though I didn't have anything and I was so broken, I was like going around and helping other domestic violence victims. I just didn't have the money behind it to really, really do it. Like I wanted to and like, we're going to make it like, you know, and so that's what that's what drove me to doing this because i was like well i need to have a business so i can have time and money to do my nonprofit. and now my business keeps me so busy but i was just saying that the other day like that's what drives me i want to um of course i love helping people with what i do and i will probably forever do lazy and chill but i want to still open up my nonprofit now that i have the finances to like really do it and to really in the connections and to really make a big difference so i just want to I want to help other like single moms, especially, especially ones that have been in abusive relationships. They have a very special place in my heart mm. and I want to like, I want to show them, which is why I share my story online. I want to show them that they can come out of those situations and flourish with their kid. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I want to help them get out of those situations because I had a hard time getting out of my situation. I didn't have money. I would, you know, it was, it was really hard. Yeah. So that's what really drives me. Yeah, totally. And I guess the last thing I wanted to touch on you with is, you know, having a child, of course, like you were saying, is, is it's going to take up kind of your whole life and women are expected to put their lives on hold. So how have you been able to harmonize and balance uh, your career and having a kid? Honestly, it's because I have help. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have help, like my baby, he's in, um, he's in Arkansas with my family right now for spring break. And then my boyfriend is like a father figure to him and he helps. And then I have amazing friends here. Like I just have a huge support system that are there for anything that I need. And I'm, I'm honestly grateful for that. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's awesome. When I can call people when, you know, if I need somebody to babysit him so I can get extra work done. Or if I need my boyfriend to take him to go to whatever trampoline park fun doing something. So it's, it helps to have a support system, support system. Yeah. But when I didn't have one, I did kind of have to slow things down. I'm not going to lie. I did. I did have to slow things down before I had a support system. Yep. Well, it's great to hear you say that because I've always said, <laughs> well, I'm not sure if I'm going to have children or not. And uh, my sister has been somebody who's always like, yep, she knows that's like one of her biggest pillars is like, she wants to have a family. And I always am like, well, if I'm having a kid, I'm having nannies. Like I'm not having a kid mm -hmm. until I am financially stable enough to have like a team. And like, I'm just not, I, that's how it is. And I love that you say that because it's very realistic. Like for women who are ambitious and are running businesses and really in their power, like it's so okay to have help and we should have help. 
Like I, rem- mm-hmm. I feel like we, I wish we lived in this world where villages and like women were raising children together almost. And like the kids are just all kind of running around together. Like, I don't know. Well, people, it's crazy. I, the way society works, I feel like it gets in the way of that mm-hmm. because for me, I had my village, you know, whenever I had, um, whenever I took my leap and I moved to Texas and quit my job, I, my son stayed with my family in Arkansas for a few months mm-hmm. while I came here and got on my feet. Like I just had a village and, and what you said, I literally, literally said that to my boyfriend last night because he wants to have another kid. And right now I'm very anti, I don't, you know, I'm mm-hmm. on the side of women that don't want to have kids. Like I, I understand. And so I was telling him that, um, that if I do have another kid, he needs to be in a place with his career where he's not working so much because my career is not going to be put on hold. I'm not going to stop anything that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I also told him he needs to have money to get my body redone too after yes. having another kid. And I put stipulations because you no, know, I, I think if, if women had more help and it was acceptable to have help, People would want to have kids, but society like looks at other women like, oh, you know, you, you don't have your kid 24 seven. Oh my God, you're a bad mom. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. we're supposed to have help. Why should we have to do everything when we carry the kids for nine months? Yeah, absolutely. And plus like you're, you're a child staying with your parents right now. Just for spring break. He lives yeah. with me, it's but he's amazing. not, he's on spring break. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just love that because like you're son is getting to know his grandparents at this time and like absorbing other people's wisdom and energy. And it's like, I think that's really a beautiful way of creating a well-rounded person as well as giving them exposure to all these different people and like engaging deeply with family. My parents used to do the same thing. We'd go stay with our grandparents in North Carolina for a little while. And I have such like fond memories of that. And I honestly wish like that was more typical. Like we, we would have more time with different family members. So I think on such a great point it's needed because like here my son he lives a life you know he lives a city life he lives a little bit of a bougie life up here Mm -hmm. but then whenever he goes home to Arkansas with his grandparents they live in the country they have a big old house with acres of land and like dogs and goats running around and a bunch of dirt non-bougie at all like completely opposite from his life up here and there's other kids there and so I'm like he needs to have that yeah, like you said, to keep them well-rounded. So I'm like, summertime, spring break, <laughs> during the school year. <laughs> awesome. Now you get to just like focus on you for a little while. You deserve yeah. that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Is it, Well, is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to talk about? Well, not that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. There's so many awesome things that you're focused on and, and talking about. So, well, thank you so much for being here. It's been like awesome to talk to you and get your perspective. It's really refreshing. So. Well, thank you. It's good to talk to you. Yes. And so if people want to work with you, where can they find you? On Instagram at J, I know I did that in my water at J A E A L I S S A and TikTok, same name and Twitter, same mm-hmm. name. Excellent. And then your website is, uh, is it jalyssa.com? It's jabbyalyssa.com. Okay. Got you. But it's in in the link. Uh, It's in the bio of my social medias as well. Perfect. All right. Well, have a beautiful day and thank you again for chatting with me. Talk to you soon. Thank you.
Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Again, you can find Javia at jalyssa on Instagram and javiaalyssa.com. And I'm at helendenim underscore and helendenim.com. And on my website, you can find blog posts and past podcast episodes, links to my music. And you can also sign up for my self-care Sunday newsletter if that feels fun for you. I love sending that out every weekend and it's just a great chance to connect with you guys and ground for the week ahead. And of course, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on the podcast in general. And if there are any guests that you'd like to see uh, interviewed or hear interviewed, just let me know and we'll see what we can do. Okay. Love you guys. Thanks again for being here and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.